G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz with episode 176 of the Outback Mine podcast. Appreciate you joining in once again. Now, something that is very important to me uh, and important to all of us, we just don't know it, we, we, we block it out, is play. Um, what we innately knew as kids, getting out playing and doing things that, uh, that keep us connected, happy, healthy, all those sorts of things, uh, and how we actually lose that in adult life is, uh, is a mystery in many ways. And it's something I've been sort of um, aware of over the last, well, probably 10 or more years, uh, you know, to be able to sort of realise that school pretty much sort of uh, disconnected us from our, our free spirit and, um, uh, you know, we sort of come out the other side of that into work and into life and become quite miserable in some ways, but we also lose that connection with play and the importance of it, you know, to be able to just have fun and enjoy ourselves and Today's guest, Dale Sidebottom, is an expert in this area. He's sort of committed his life to uh, uh, become a play expert to be able to help adults, um, you know, re-engage uh, with themselves and get him uh, back into a you know a healthy lifestyle through uh, through play and, and activities that we enjoy. And uh, you know, Dale's had his own journey, you know, stress, anxiety, all that type of stuff that. Um, caused him to re, um, rethink his life and he realised the missing link for him was play and it's been his journey ever since to be able to uh, further discover, explore, study uh, this particular topic uh, and how to engage uh, you know, adults to be able to actually let go and start to, to be ourselves again. You know, it's not an easy thing with all the, the, the things we have to do in modern society, but really at the end of the day, life's about joy and having fun, isn't it? I guess, you know, we've got to try and connect to that as much as we possibly can. So Dale, Dale and I are going to have a really good chat today. Uh, Shepherd and Boy, where I sort of spend a fair bit of time and got a fair bit in common there. So I'm sure you're going to enjoy this chat, that's for sure. Now, if you have a, a habit in your life uh, and you're stuck with something, which is probably going to hamper you from from playing um, i really recommend a program uh, called the deep dive which uh, is facilitated by mick and amy stooth of the real shift uh, so they support the podcast and um, they've had some tremendous results with listeners that um, have had uh, habits they want to try and change or break uh, but just getting out of stuck belief systems and those sorts of things and moving forward and thriving and that's our birthright you know at the end of the day we've got to be able to to live this life functionally fluently and freely and uh, and Mick and Amy have had some great results with that um, so if you jump on their website it's called therealshift.com if you go to therealshift.com forward slash deep dive uh, and just mention the Outback Mind if you're interested in the program. Uh, they'll give you a discount on that. They are about to start a new program, I think, next month or in July uh, for nine weeks. And it'd be the best investment you'll make in your life if you really wanted to make a shift. Uh, and it's pretty cheap and economical, so it's a great investment, um, I believe, um, you know, for what the outcomes will be potentially. So please check them out, realshift.com. Uh, forward slash deep dive. Alrighty, hope you enjoy this chat with Dale and I. Please uh, give me some feedback. Best is to email support at outbackmind.com.au. Uh, you can get to me or get to uh, us through the website outbackmind.com.au. Appreciate it. G'day, Dale. Aaron, how are you, mate? Thanks so much for having me today. I really appreciate this. Um, um, well, one thing that I know is I don't talk as fast as you, so I hope the <laughs> listeners have got plenty of time. You, you'll you'll uh, talk quick and I won't talk too quick. We'll see how we go. So. <laughs> I'll, 
I'll try and not go uh, too fast for you. It's funny you say that. Uh, a lot of the time when I'm talking on my podcast, people want to slow me down and then <laughs> fasten the person I'm speaking to up. So I'll try and not get too excited there. <laughs> Sorry. Ah, no, you're right, mate. It'll be fine. Tell me, um, you're in Melbourne at the moment, and what's the temperature down there? <laughs> uh, it's, what's the opposite to warm, mate? Freezing. It's. Uh, yeah. I think it's the top of nine degrees today. It's, uh, yes. Yeah, it's bitter. Mm, unbelievable. And it's going to hang around for the week? Yeah, mate. Yeah, it's uh, it's here to stay. I think uh, there's a little bit of sunshine coming through, which uh, is nice. But you step outside and it really takes the breath away. Yeah, it kicks you in the ass. That's it. <laughs> you, you, you know you're alive. Oh yeah, big time, mate. Step outside and you don't need a coffee. That will sort you out straight away. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Tell me, mate. Um, I actually well, we'll uh, we'll talk a bit about your journey. Uh, like growing up, I know your family from Shepparton and. Um, be good to get your uh, your uh, insight into your life as a young fella back there. Yeah, well, mate, I, as we were talking before, that uh, feel very fortunate to have grown up in a community like Shepparton or the Golden Valley. Um, now living in Melbourne, I, I just see the things that I suppose I didn't take for granted. But growing up, you know, being part of a cricket club, being part of a football club, um, having family around everywhere, it was just a it's just a really nice place to grow up and. and I think the person I am today is because of that, you know, playing playing sport at all different ages with different age people that I can walk into a room and have conversations with anyone, you know, and um, that's a skill set that I see now working with kids and students that isn't, isn't as prevalent. So um, I feel it taught me so much. I love going back there. Um, my parents still live in Shepparton, but uh, yeah, I've obviously moved on now and, and live in Melbourne um, down Bayside, which is which is really nice as well. But uh, yeah, growing up in Shepparton was amazing. Um, I still love going back to uh, Shep Swan where I played footy and mm. Shep United Crew Club. But yeah, so many good memories, Aaron. Mm. Now, Steel is your brother or cousin? Cousin, cousin. So you still playing for Collingwood? He is, mate. They're, they're having a really good season as well. Um, when, I know we'll talk about, uh, you know, things I went through in my life, but uh, one of the things that people don't really know is still, I messaged him out of the blue and I had nowhere to live. And um, I said, mate, can I can I stay uh, for a couple of weeks to him and his beautiful partner, Alicia? And I think 11 months later, I actually left. So um, I know a lot of people just see him as a footballer and everything he's done, but um, both him and Alicia got a heart of gold. And um, yeah, I think the person I am today is I'm very fortunate because of friends and family that helped me out when, you know, the cards weren't really playing the way I wanted them to. Mm, amazing, mate. So what were some of the good things about Shep other than sport? Um, I just think uh, we, I, for people that know Shep, well, I grew up on uh, Broken River Drive, so I was, I, we backed onto the Broken River, um, and we'd just go down there and ride our bikes, hit golf balls, build cubby houses, mm. go fishing, um, just things that I suppose... I know the world's changed a lot since I was growing up, but uh, just the freedom to, you know, leave the house and, and not worry if we're going to be safe or not and go and play any sport you want, rip down trees, do whatever. It uh, it was something that I look back on now. At the time, I had no idea, but um, something I look back on now, and that's, you know, that creative play, that freedom to explore and make things up and be imaginative, that's... That's something that I use now, um, but in a different way. And, um, yeah, I think Shepherd and, and where I grew up played a huge part in that. Mm, connected to nature, mate. That's that's the secret. You know, we'll, we'll talk to uh, a bit that as we, uh, about that as we go. But, uh, 
yeah, these days if you can get an axe in your hand and chop wood, it still gives you the same feeling as what it was uh, building a cubby house, you know. Yeah, <laughs> pretty, pretty that's true. Yep. Yeah. So, mate, um, so how old were you when you left Shet? Uh, so I finished up, uh, I finished high school and then uh, after high school I didn't, uh, I got accepted into a couple of different degrees, so PE teaching one and um, myotherapy was the other and I, I didn't know which one I wanted to do. So I did a, an AFL traineeship at uh, Wanganui Park where I went to school for a year and basically I was like a trainee PE teacher and I absolutely loved it. Um, and I had two amazing mentors there in uh, Graham Waite and Barry Simmons and um, I talk about these two a lot because... Um, the impact they had on my life, particularly my teenage years, um, and then also when I was working with them, it it was something that I wanted to be able to give back to kids. Um, I wanted amazing role models like them. So mm-hmm. I left when I was, I think, 19 or 20 and went to Ballarat where I studied uh, PE teaching for four years at uh, the University of Ballarat. So, And I've never really gone home since, to be honest, Aaron. Mm, amazing. How old are you now, mate? Uh, 37 now, mate. So, so Steel's younger. Yep, still those, well, you know, test me, I think he's 30 or 31, something yeah, like that. Yeah, unreal. So, mate, um, life sort of evolved for you from there. Did you get a job being the education system pretty quick? Yeah, yep, yep. So, um, I, I, well, I tell a lie, I did go back to Shet for one year. I remember after uni there was uh, there was eight of us that finished and we went over to Thailand for, a, like, a, the eight blokes we were about to start work and, they had these rights on or something, so we ended up being stuck there for three weeks in a hotel and all the job interviews that I had lined up for in Melbourne and Bendigo and Ballarat, I missed them all and um, there was one school, Orvale Primary School in Shepparton and um, they held the interviews back and um, a, a good mate of mine, Matt Cullen, said, if you if we get you the job, will you come back and captain coach the cricket club? I'm like, yeah, no worries. So I went back, um, I taught primary school at an amazing school for one year and... Um, after that, then I, I moved over to London for three years and um, get to travel and teach and stuff like that. So I got a job straight away. It wasn't uh, at uni. I was only studying to be a high school teacher. And then I remember my first day at Orvale was prep. So like five and six-year-old looking at me and Aaron, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> but I suppose it's like anything in life. If you just have fun and um, be open to learning. Um, I think I learned more that year from the preps and the grade ones than I did from four years of university. Mm, oh, absolutely, mate. Yeah. You're looking at humans that are, haven't been really affected by too much other than, yeah. than, than play and, uh, and being in the present moment, you know, the things that we all, all need to start to learn or relearn, I suppose. Correct. Mate, uh, Matty Cullen was a fair cricketer too, by the way. He, Matty Cullen was a uh, – and that's where uh, our sort of friendship started. I, um, I played seniors at quite a young age. Uh, I remember starting at 15 and 16 and um, – I was I've mellowed a lot now, Aaron. But uh, I I know people think of me in Shepparton as probably the mouth from the south. I was uh, uh, I think I got picked in a lot of sides for sledging and stuff like that. And, um, obviously, I've mellowed a lot now. But um, I just remember playing with Maddie um, for a number of years, and uh, he, he had such a calming and calming and. and he believed in me, I suppose, um, and, and gave me a lot of opportunities when others may not have. And um, yeah, we're still good friends to this day. Um, he still works at Orvale Primary School uh, in, in a leadership role now, and, and we chat regularly. But uh, yeah, he was uh, we're calling the prodigy because uh, I don't think many people from Shepparton were that good at such a young age and, and did something that he did. He was an absolute legend and such a good bloke. Mm, well said, mate, and he'd appreciate that too. So. Hope he has a listen. Um, now, tell me, mate, um, 
What did uh, life do to you from there? Like when you got back from overseas, did you sort of get back into teaching or, or what sort of unfolded yeah. for you? Yeah, so I got back from uh, I got back from London after being there for three years and uh, it's a bit lost, I suppose, because when you're over there, um, and like I was teaching over there, but every second or third weekend you'd go on a trip around Europe and you just don't have a care in the world. And mm. um, I suppose sort of like Peter Pan, you never really grew up. and. <laughs> But amazing, and I think one of the best things you can do is travel for not only gratification of how lucky we are in Australia, but uh, also just for learning different situations and meeting people, and, and I absolutely loved it. And I got back, and I was sort of lost. Um, I moved back in with mum and dad for a few weeks because I just had no money, and um, I was very fortunate that uh, a guy I used to play cricket with, um, he he was working at a company called Cedar and Cricket Australia where they teach sort of elite young cricketers and um, he knew I'd got back and I, I was fortunate enough to uh, get an interview and, and he was uh, on the interview panel and it was probably like Matty Cullen back in the day that uh, life's about all who you know, not what you know and I'm sure you can uh, vouch for that very quickly but uh, yeah, I got a job at Cedar and, and taught there for the next four and a half years um, which was incredible mate, it was, a, it was a really good job and I loved it. Who was the person? Uh, Shane Collins. He was uh, another Numerka superstar. He was. Um, him, yeah. Yeah. So it's funny. Like you, one of the things that uh, you, obviously what was it like growing up at Shepparton is it doesn't matter where you go, you, you tend to see people or know people from the Golden Valley. And uh, like I'd never met Shane before, but uh, obviously he knew people that knew me, and I'd spoken to people that knew him, and you just have a mutual respect and. Um, we become really good mates, and yeah, he was he was my boss for a number of years. So um, yeah, I, I just and I this is the thing I used to say to these because the kids were teaching with 16, 17, 18, and I said every opportunity you go into is a chance to make a connection or make a friendship or form a bond with somebody, and it's not to get something out of them, Aaron, but you don't know where you'll meet that person in the future or who they'll speak to, um, and that's that's the power of relationships and building connections, and um, I think that's one thing the Golden Valley and Shepparton taught me, and um, I'm very fortunate now that uh, you know you, you reconnect with these people in different forms of life, and you've got each other's back. You look after each other. Yeah, absolutely, mate. <clears throat> that's true, and that's a good thing about uh, you know small towns and regional and rural communities is. Uh, you know, sport's a big part of it, and if you're not into sport, there's other things to do too, but everyone seems to know you and, and sort of uh, subconsciously takes care of you, or I guess in, in many ways, you know, and um, um, it's, it's tricky to find that in the cities, uh, of course, but uh, having that sort of sense of community for a human, I think, is really important for our mental health. Oh, it's so true, and, and like you just said, that you don't have to be the best player at sport, you know. That's the best thing about sports clubs is they need volunteers, uh, particularly more so than ever. Um, that anybody can go into a sports club and there will be a role for you and you'll be accepted. Mm. Um, it doesn't matter what walk of life you've come from or what you've done in the past. Um, they go and face value and, and what you can help other people. And just to the volunteers out there that keep these clubs running, I know um, the last few weeks on, on the weekends I've gone to regional football clubs to run community events. Um, and just because a lot of people after COVID, Aaron, have just that were volunteering or helping around clubs, they haven't come back, you know, they've moved on. And um, it's meaning that particularly, I was in Lake Bolac the other week and then Franks and Dolphins, that some, some people at these clubs are, are doing multiple roles. They're wearing so many hats yeah. and they're burning out. Um, and, and we need to keep... Uh, we need to keep country and community sport going because it offers so much, not just the sports side of things, but it gives people belonging. It gives people somewhere to go. And, and like you just said, with mental health, 
being accepted or having somewhere to go or being a part of something, that's one of the biggest things. You know, your connections, your true wealth and um, a lot of sports clubs or community clubs, that's what they give people. They give them that sense of belonging and, and that reason or that purpose to keep going through the week because they know they're needed on the weekend. Mm, that's true, mate. It's amazing, like, why you're speaking now. I'm thinking back to when I was, like, you know, in my early years and that and just like there was no influence it was just sport uh cricket footy you know um and just everyone went you know everyone was connected engaged you didn't have to worry about volunteers because uh people wanted to be involved but now we've got so many distractions and diversions and all those sorts of things and it's not just kids that were uh that that are getting distracted because they've got you know uh the world in their hands with a phone but adults now are sort of thinking well there's other options for me to do rather than sort of get involved in um in the simple um, communication and, and community that a club offers, I suppose. Yeah, and definitely. And, and the one thing that uh, hasn't helped that, um, obviously technology and accessibility, you've just got to look at KO Sports or Foxtel. You can literally sit at home and watch back-to-back every game of footy and you don't have to leave your house, you know. Mm. like So add COVID into that and people are like, oh, maybe I don't want to, you know, give up my weekends or maybe I do like that little bit of freedom. But then again, what are they sacrificing for that or what won't be there um, in a couple of years if they realise what how important that community sport is. Mm. Um, so like everything in live, Aaron, it's a, it's a balancing act and you've got to have a bit of everything. But I, I just see the, the joy and beauty in community sport and the hubs, particularly a lot of these small towns that – Thursday night dinners, the whole community comes, the whole community's there. Um, it's it's something you just don't experience anywhere else. And, and I really hope if people are listening community towns and, and you haven't gone back to your local football, cricket, baseball, netball club or whatever, go back and just maybe help out every second week or month or something like that because they're crying out for people at the moment and that's across the board. Mm, yeah, well said, mate. It's, uh, it's amazing, like, you know, I always will talk about, you know, naturing and, and re-naturing. So you're being denatured by, by finding community on a device. And, you know, people listening to this, great. Uh, but, you know, if you're doing it outside, even better. But, but, you know, having collaboration as humans is really important, you know, to be able to be in a, in a tribe, in a flock, whatever. That's what we're meant to be doing, you know. This is, this is what all the ancient traditions have, have shown us and taught us. But... One society, you know, and these devices and, and, and so forth are disconnecting us in many ways, unless we're, we're really aware and careful of that and getting back to the foundations of um, human, human movement, human well-being, um, you know, all the things that actually connect us to, um, um, you know, get out of our minds so, so much per, per se and uh, get back to, you know, our heart space. I always talk about to be able to sort of feel free within yourself and i just think you know a, a collaboration within a sporting club is a great way to do that as well yeah well it is and i think like you just said with technology that uh we've never been so connected but so disconnected and mm. um unfortunately that uh loneliness is an all-time high and the reason is that people aren't stepping outside the comfort zone or they're feeling anxious about going back to normal life particularly like in victoria um that, and they're just getting on their phone and, and they're scrolling and they see people's highlight reel, Aaron. Like, no one's posting, you know, that 95% of their day that may not be so glamorous. They're putting filters on that 5% and, and then people start comparing and, and they start evaluating their life and thinking, mine's not good enough. And it's mm. it's just this snowball effect down a rabbit wire. And whereas you go to a, a community club, you're not doing any of that because you're present with people around you of all different walks of life, all different ages. Um, and that's why they're so magical. 
Mm, comparing is a low level of consciousness. Compassion is a high level of consciousness. And when you're in that Bang. environment, you know, you, you are you are compassionate for yourself and compassionate for others, you know, and uh, um, the comparing doesn't really matter as much, you know, and, and that's unfortunately a trait of being a human, which uh, gets in our road of us reaching our potential, but um, we just got to be aware of it so it doesn't sort of, um, you know, override uh, our purpose in life, I guess, at the end of the day. Oh, so, so true. And I reckon uh, that skill of uh, empathy, of just walking in other people's shoes at the moment, instead of comparing, it's easier. It's easy when we talk about it right now, Aaron, and, and, you know, say it, but actually doing it is, it's really hard and it takes skills and it takes hard work. Mm, absolutely, mate. And that's the thing. Like, you know, the ancient traditions always talk about doing work on yourself consistently, you know. As an adult, that's what we've got to do. You know, we've got to actually put time into ourselves and get connected with ourselves rather than disconnecting. And you think about what life tries to do to us, mate. As soon as we get up, turn the TV on, the radio, look into your phone, whatever, you put into fear straight away. That's disconnecting you. And um, uh, I just think to be able to do some work on yourself uh, and find time for... Uh, for that play, whatever it is, it brings you some enjoyment um, early in the day, can really set you up for a good day and a, and a stable life. Would you agree? Ah, uh, mate, you, you're talking my language here. And I think, like you just said, not find time, you need to make time because, uh, you know, we're so busy, we've got so many distractions. If you don't actually set aside time to do things for not only your physical well-being but also your mental well-being, it's, it's like a seesaw. You need to have enough on both sides of that seesaw otherwise it's going to tip one way and you know you're not going to be in a good place and my, my thing is and i talk about this all the time aaron is that win the morning win the day i know that's cliche but you know mm. don't just start consuming straight away put time into yourself mm. um, if that's doing some journaling if that's going for a walk um, if that's setting some time aside to meditate whatever your routine in the morning if you can start the day with a win making your bed, drinking some water, whatever that is, then you've already had a win for the day and you continue on. And um, I feel start on a positive note and do the same thing before you go to bed each night. Um, It's so important that the last thing you do before your head hits the pillow isn't watching the news or just checking that last email, that it's, you know, reflecting on your day and what went well. Maybe, I know, write down what you're grateful for or the biggest win. I like writing down the biggest win because it doesn't matter how bad my days are and I can always think deep enough that there's been one win for my day and reflect on that then go to bed, you know. So you're starting the day thinking about positives, feeling good about yourself and the last thing before you go to bed, you're focusing on that thing you did really well for the day. Um, The evidence just really backs that up that those simple routines will help your mind, your headspace and everything so much more than if you don't do it. And it's, it's like anything, you, it's like learning a new skill, Aaron. You can't just do it once a month. Um, if you want to learn to kick on your left and right foot, you're going to have to practice that daily. And it's the same with your mental and physical well-being. You need to put the time in. And it's not finding time, it's making time and doing it daily. Yeah, agree, mate. I call it bookends, you know. So starting your day to get connected and finishing your day to, to, to disconnect and wind down, you know. Um, so having a, a practice in the morning where you can tune in and then at the uh, end of the day tuning out You don't want to be tuning in uh, before you go to bed and your, your nervous system needs to settle You know, so to be able to find some tools that work for you as an individual to be able to do that I think is uh, really important, mate Oh, and exactly, I love that book, Ken, so I might, uh, I might borrow that one, mate I haven't heard that, but I think there's so many, you know, people out there telling you what to do Like, there's no right or wrong answer And if, you, if you're not trying and if you're not failing to find the right solution that works for you in the morning and evening Then 
you, you need to keep doing that. It's not a failure, it's a lesson because each time if it doesn't work, then you move on to the next. And there's so many options out there to take that control. Um, keep, keep searching. Um, there's something out there for you. So what happened to you, mate? You, um, you hit the brick wall somewhere along the line with regards to your own well-being? Oh, that big time, and it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't just a brick wall. The brick wall just kept coming closer and closer and closer, and I didn't do anything about it. And um, I don't know what it was, but I was always so driven to be successful, Aaron. That I, I don't know if I, who I was trying to prove a point to. I, I don't know why I was so driven, but mate, I was. I was a workaholic, um, and basically, I was. I was never present. So, for example. I was working, I'd, I'd say, I'll be happy when I get this. I'll be happy when I get a promotion. I'll be happy when I buy a house. I'll be happy when I release an app. I'll be happy when I do a workshop overseas. I'll be happy. All these things that you, you delay, delay that gratification. You're never living in the present. And what happens was is I'd get one of these goals that I'd set, but I wouldn't even celebrate it because I'd already have another one. So I found that it didn't matter who I was with. Um, you know, I was arrogant. I was a bit of a narcissist. I just wasn't a good person to be around because I was so driven on achieving these things that I was actually stopped living life. Um, and I, I just become a person that uh, I, I just lost. I was lost and I, uh, I think I was about 30 years old and um, I was divorced and I looked at myself in the mirror, didn't have anywhere to live and um, yeah, it was, uh, I was just like, why have I worked so hard? What have, what have I done or what, what have I got to show you? I might, have, I might have money in the bank, I might have items and possessions, but do I have friendships? Do I have people I can call on? And, and the answer was I had a couple, but I pushed a lot of people away over the years. And, um, yeah, a lot of hard work went into it, mate. But um, I can look back at that now seven years on and um, I, I'm in a really good place. I'm a good person now. And I don't know if I could say that all the time back when I was 30. Mm, that's true. And see, yeah, you, you, you've basically gone into the trap society sort of, you know, puts in front of us like – looking for you know the next thing to be able to give you happiness trying to get something trying to achieve something trying to get gratification all those sorts of things um which are really pathways to this you know, to destruction uh, i i believe um you know and you, you're lucky you caught it out at 30 because i talk to guys that are in their 50s and 60s and they're still on the same path you know um yeah. so you're very lucky that you actually were aware of it at that age and what did life look for you after that? Did you did you get some help or guidance to be able to move forward and out of it? Yeah, I, I did. And um, so I worked, uh, I think I did about 16 Sundays in a row um, where I was working with a, a counsellor and a family friend called Pat O'Connell in Shepparton. Um, and it was it was tough. I'm not going to lie. It was really hard work, Aaron. And there was so many times I just wanted to stop. But uh I'm really grateful that I went through everything I did now because I wouldn't be the person I am now and I wouldn't have perspective. Like I probably would just revert it back to my old ways. Um, and, and that's the thing, you know, nothing nothing in life comes easy that's worthwhile. And, um, yeah, that, those 16 weeks of hard work with Pat shaped the person I am. And um, I suppose recently I, I, I did a keynote about uh, a month ago, um, up on the Gold Coast of L'Oreal, so I was speaking to 350 hairdressers uh, at the Marriott, and I shared a story. I actually broke down again this year, Aaron, because I did a similar thing where my business, speaking in front of people over the last two years, I haven't been able to do it, and, and I kept pushing that on me that I wasn't good enough for my self-worth and everything like that, and um, I had to go back and work with Pat again. Um, so probably the big thing is here, 
yes, get get help if you need it, and I've needed it a couple of times. But also, one thing I like to do, and I've got a couple of good mentors and coaches now, is work with them on the good times as well that don't allow yourself to hit rock bottom. Um, and that's that's where I'm at as a human right now because uh, I've gone through these. Obviously, the first one at 30 was horrible, and it took me a year of hard work to get out of, and recently it was only a month. But, um, yeah, if you have conversations when you're in a good place as well, not only when you're in a bad place, I suppose. What does um, your well-being uh, program look like now for you? Uh, mine personally? Yeah. Yeah, so um, when I get up each morning, um, I've, I've actually created an app called Sugar Life, which is J-U-G-A-R Life. Um, it's free. Go and check it out if you like. It's um, And basically that means that's play in Spanish. And what it is, I've created three questions that I answer first thing in the morning and then three that I answer before I go to bed. Very similar to what I said to you before. And So I answer those questions. Um, I don't check any emails. I don't do anything. And then I go straight to a gym class. Um, and depends what I've got on for the day. That'll either be at five in the morning or six. I went at six this morning. Um, I get back and then I normally feed my son or take him to daycare like I did. Then I'll walk the dog and then I'll start work. Um, once I start work, then I'll check my notifications, my emails, everything like that. But that sort of first hour, two hours in the morning, it's me doing things for myself, being present at home with my wife and my son uh, before I start anything. And, and that's been a real, really important thing. Do you know what I mean? Like, just to have that time to set my day up. And what was it like seven years ago for you? Oh, well, it never stopped. It was, uh, so I was, I was a full-time teacher then. Um, I also ran a pretty big uh, fitness company where I had people working for me all over Melbourne. So I would get up at four, I would go and run a boot camp, do a couple of PT sessions, go straight, teach all day. Uh, then I would come home, I'd have like a half an hour sleep, and I'd go to a couple of PT sessions, run a boot camp. I'd get home about 7.30, um, and then uh, obviously I have an online business as well, so then I'd do three hours of work on that, and that was like online programs and apps and stuff like that. Then I'd set my alarm for 2.30 a.m. every morning for a half an hour slot because that's when I was able to talk to my virtual assistants uh, in the Philippines and Eastern Europe. Now I'd go back to bed, sleep for another hour and get up. Um, mm. So I had no well-being plan whatsoever and mm. uh, I, was a, I was a walking zombie. I was always sick. I was never present. And it's, it makes me ugh, it makes me clammy and uptight thinking about it now, Aaron, because I actually had nothing in place. Mm, that's true it's probably common to a lot of people listen was that like a, a fair reason that your marriage sort of failed at the time uh, i think there's a large combination of everything but uh, my marriage failed because i wasn't a good person in myself i wasn't happy with the person i was now i that's not saying that uh i i believe that it, it, it was a it's a good thing now that it did finish because yeah, like I, I needed to go through that and I don't think we we're right as it was. Um, but yeah, making that call was, was a really hard thing that I wasn't right, I wasn't happy um, and before I can be happy or do anything, I needed to put the work into myself instead of blaming others mm. um, and I'd done that for so long. I'd, I pushed the blame on, oh, it's work, oh, it's my partner, oh, it's my family, they're, they're the ones that are making me not feel good about myself but Deep down, when I looked in the mirror, I didn't like the person I looked at and I wasn't happy myself and I needed to make drastic changes and put the work in to change that. And, and essentially, you know, 
it wasn't going to be easy and it wasn't going to it was going to affect a lot of different people and it did uh, but looking back at that now and i'm so glad that i made the call and um that yeah that it wasn't right at the time and and, and i can be the person i am now mm, listen to the teacher within mate there's something else yeah. underneath in the undercurrent there that we we ignore and we mask with boot camps and we mask with buddy all the shit you know at the end of the day but we just got to like actually like really ask ourselves, you know, how are you going, sort of thing, you know, because all the answers oh, are inside. We're looking for outside for answers consistently, you know. I just think we can we can do so much for our well-being if we actually, like, just be present and actually see what's going on and what we do need. And you know, My, um, I don't want to talk about myself too much, but my morning um, has been like a two-hour, uh, at least every two hours of my well-being, you know, and, and that started off with a little bit, but uh, it did start with the gym, uh, you know, originally, and... Um, and then it sort of went to yoga and, and meditation, and it's sort of been that ever since, you know, fitness and yoga and meditation, uh, just to, to tune into myself. And, and that's, mate, that's the most magnificent time of the day because you're up and you hear nothing. There's, there's nothing going on. You've got the world to yourself. Um, you can really tune in with um, with the earth and the universe primarily, you know, which um, which is if you're thinking about work too much and, and all the other things, and you, you're just so totally dis- disconnected from Oh, well, you miss out on that. Now, how long have you done that for, Aaron? Like, is is that something that's been obviously a long time, or have you? Is that something recent, more recent? You know, since obviously starting the podcast and everything you're doing, the foundation. Um, no, no, no. Yeah. It's 2009. So what happened was uh, I went to a, a doctor because I was stressed. Uh, he said to me, "You can do two things: you can exercise or take tablets." So um, I went home that night. We lived in a rural community like, um, say, uh, Wai, you know, similar. Up the bombers. Oh, that's great. Sorry, but it wasn't Wai, but it was in Tassie. And we never got junk mail, right? And um, anyway, I get this thing in the mailbox saying the first 24-hour gym in Australia was going to open in Hobart. So, um, so I called up, signed up, um, basically the way I went, I was getting there at four every morning, uh, till six o'clock I'd go to work. I'd even go on weekends. I just, I had this program that I got off the internet back then, which, uh, gave me uh, a three month, uh, platform on what to do to build my body up. So I focused on that and I changed the way I looked physically over that period of time. But what I learned, I was getting connected to myself and my mental health improved as well. So, so two, I'm pretty sure it was 2008, 2009, um, and that just got me on a path of actually starting to do something for myself and, and for my own life, um, you know, because I'd neglected my life uh, the whole journey through because I'd just been educated to support the economy and um, come into the workforce and come into the booze scene and all those sorts of things and really that just disconnected me from my, my soul and myself. So, so that time in the morning um, is really important to me. It's just not non-negotiable now. I just get up and that's just what I do, you know. Um, uh, yep. It doesn't matter where I am uh, in the world. Uh, I, I, I know 
that, uh, that there's always something around me that I can use to support my well-being, whether it's a, a set of stairs I can run up and down or whether it's um, you know a, a, a chair that I can do step-ups on or whatever. Just something to get the heart rate up I think is important and then just to start to de-escalate by doing some, some yoga, stretching and then some meditation just gets me nice and grounded for the morning, you know. And I just think, yeah, anxiety was born because of the stuff that I went through uh, in my youth and into the workforce, you know, we're always on performing, all those sorts of things. And eventually your nervous system, um, you know, gives you a kick in the ass. And a lot of us don't know how yeah. to understand that we look for a beer bottle or we look for uh, a tablet or something to, to, to put it away. But we've just got to actually like learn how to uh, understand ourselves more. And, and, you know, the body is smarter than us. We're just going to look at the body and see what the body needs and what it wants. Uh, and then start to be able to work with it rather than against it. I reckon that's the big, uh, the big lesson for me over the years, you know. And um, you can you can get all the teachers and that under the sun, but you've just got to really uh, find what it is that makes you tick and makes you feel happy. And you know what what gets your heart um, heart you know basically working for you and you're connected with that. You know, uh, I just think the more we can get out of our mind and back into our heart space and we're more open as humans and we're we're doing the things like you do in the footy clubs and you know you're more connected to yourself and others uh, at the end of the day i i love that and the thing i'm just listening here is that uh you have to put the work in yourself do you know what i mean like in 2009 and you're the one that signed up at a gym you went consistently you did that if people are out there are struggling i and i say just start with a 10 minute walk the first thing you get up in the morning don't take your phone, don't look at your devices, email. Just a 10-minute walk by yourself uh, is a great starting block. And you don't need to do, you know, an hour or two hours like we have got ourselves, but that's that's been pre- that's been progressed over time for me. And it sounds exactly the same as you are. You started in the gym, mate. Then you started doing some yoga and stretching. Then you started doing the mindfulness meditation. It's been a, it's been an actual a layered pancake. You've added on to it. And I've been exactly the same. So people are thinking, oh, I don't have the time for that. You don't need it. Mm-hmm. But you can give 10 minutes. Get up 10 minutes earlier and just go for a walk. It's as simple as that. You don't, uh, and that's the thing, the comparison trap, you know, you compare yourself with others, you just got to do what it is that works for yourself, and then you realise how much your mind dominates, you know, so as guys primarily, we, we get up and our cortisol's high, so we've got to be able to do some things to regulate that, I, I really believe, and you know, if you're anxious, the worst thing you can do is put the, you know, the sunrise program on, or the news, or whatever, because it just puts you into fear straight away and just elevates that. And then you're looking for something acidic to, to kill it, like a, a coffee or, or you know, something else, which is just going to give you some temporary pleasure. But having that self-awareness, I think, is, uh, is really important. So, so that time in the morning to get grounded, I think, is really key for a human. You know, you think back hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, a man would go out and hunt then. That's what they do, you know, that, that's why they'd start their day and they'd be connected with nature, they'd be connected with themselves and they'd be connected with their senses. If we can do something to, um, you know, uh, resemble that, I, I just think it's important um, for, for our well-being because, you know, as I mentioned, we, we get denatured consistently, just, just something which connects you um, to, to uh, the natural assets and elements and uh, also to yourself, I think it's really important for our well-being rather than looking outside for, for answers, mate. Yeah, that's well, so true. And, and again, it just like you just said, everything there it comes back to you as the individual. No one else is going to do this for you. It's like 
your health and happiness. No one is going to make you feel good about yourself. No one's going to make you feel healthy, lose weight. At the end of the day, anything in life, if you want it, you've got to put the work in. And um, I think that's one thing that people struggle with. A lot of time people want things done for them, but then you don't get the journey, you don't get the rewards, and it's it's not as magical when you get to that place. So, um, yeah, just start small, small steps and... Uh, you know, once you take those small steps, each step adds up to big steps. Mm, absolutely. So, so with what you're doing now, you're going into uh, workplaces and, and organisations to help them re-engage with activity and play. Yep. So I call my, my basically uh, my my big workshops now. It's called All Work No Play because what I see is everybody in their life. It's work, 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 and, mm. and we've forgotten to play. Um, and that doesn't matter if you're a kid at school, you know, the pressures that these kids are on with NAP plan scores or their enter scores or whatever, like it starts at a young age and it's constantly, you know, we're comparing, we're getting jobs, you've got to get a promotion. Like it just keeps going, going, going. So essentially I work with schools, workplaces, sports clubs, anybody, um, and I use play, so serious play to improve mental and physical well-being. Um, and basically what it, what it really comes down to, Aaron, is I use activities. It's not about winning or losing. It's not about the limelight on anybody. It's just allowing people to play and connect um, in a safe space. And that's where I allow vulnerability to occur because I use play to do it, which makes people, obviously, the big word safe. Um, and when people are playing these activities, I call it play-based mindfulness because they're not thinking about anything else going on in their life. They're not thinking about, did I do my morning routine? Did I feed the dog? What am I going to do tonight? Have I paid the mortgage? They are present. And mm -hmm. if you can do that while you're laughing, while you're smiling, connecting with others, it's something that people have just forgotten how to do, finding that inner child. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, it's it's really rewarding work because I get to play, I get to have fun, um, and I get to help people of all ages, and I absolutely love it. Mm, that's true, mate. <laughs> But you think back about it when you were teaching the preps at uh, at uh, Orvale. <laughs> Orvale, same thing, same same thing. Mate. That, that's, that's they yeah. they did it to me though. I think they I think they were the ones that uh, taught me just to come in and have fun, mate. And but we forget these things, Aaron. You know, like it. Oh, I don't know. Life just becomes serious, and what ends up happening is the joy and the fun gets sucked out of it. Mm. Um, and it's very basic. You just show people this and give them some way of doing it. And um, you can have some really, really big impact on people because they've never been in a situation for a long amount of time that they've just been able to be free and play and have fun and connect. And uh, particularly in workplaces, like see a different side of people instead of, you know, too often I go, I don't, I call them connection starters now instead of icebreakers because most icebreaker activities, I call them ice makers, Aaron. Oh, we'll go around the circle and we'll share something about ourselves. Like, that's an ice maker because you never want the limelight on one person. You never want everybody looking at one person because they're so nervous. While you're talking, Aaron, I'm like, oh, what am I going to say? I'm not even listening to you. So um, a lot of these things, it's just about everybody in the room having fun, not winning or losing and connecting with themselves and others. Um, and when you do that in a good way, which I've found a really good method and, and rhythm now to do, um, yeah, it's amazing the impact you can have. Yeah, mate, it's, um, you, you're right. The, one of the biggest traps is, um, uh, as a human is, is that comparison and the fear and, you know, um, you know I suppose the ju judgment of, of what others might have on, our, on us. And I remember the day, mate, I was in grade three or four when everything changed for me. You know, I remember like... I wasn't like a kid. They were actually like comparing me. They were they were marking my grades. They were trying to get me to run faster than the others. All this sort of stuff. 
And, uh, and that was the moment for me where, where it all sort of shifted. But you look at the preps, you know, maybe it's a year or two later, they start to get sort of into this program of, of judgment and, um, you know, comparison and criticism and all that sort of stuff. Is it our fault or is it something that's been manufactured, do you reckon? Uh, well, you've just got to go into, and I know they're getting better at this, but education system hasn't changed in the last 50 to 100 years. We're yeah. still doing things the same way. It's still chalk and talk. The teacher's still at the front of the room. We still sit in desks, in lines. And too often you go into a room and you look on the wall and there's spelling groups, you know, and there's four of them, the top group, the second group, the bottom group. Then there's mass groups. Like there's groups. So every day kids walk into these classes straight away and i was a ho- and i'm a horrible speller and writer so i would see dale battler i was in the low group all the time it's like we don't go into a pe class and rank you know weight size or fitness ability on the wall but we do that with math and literacy and straight away like you just said in grade three you're getting compared and, pe- and the kids know it kids are cruel they're mean they're bullies they don't understand the impact they're having but that's because they're allowed to because we give them ammunition. We allow that to happen by what we're displaying on our walls or grading and grouping kids. It, it just It's not about, you look at when we leave school, it's not about what group or what test score we get. That doesn't happen anymore. There's no bell times. Mm. Um, but in the schooling system, we're compared all the time and mm. we know that. And, it, I, and kids, yes, they are mean, but deep down they don't actually understand the impact they're having from you know what they did to you in grade three. Yes. Oh, I agree, mate, 100%. And... You know, the, the education system, I believe, yeah, you're right, needs an overhaul, it is redundant in many ways. There is some really good people out there trying to make a difference, but they're pushing shit uphill because of what's uh, yeah. indoctrinated above. And let's just face it, like the whole philosophy is around fear, force and control, if you, if you look at it seriously. Yep. Um, you know, if you can keep people like that, then you've got them, uh, you know, conditioned. And uh, I just think we need to be able to help people live more freely so that can help their mental health. That's why there's so many people that are disconnected and they're anxious and depressed and stressed and all those sorts of things because we've actually lost our way in many ways, particularly guys, you know. So it's important that you and I having these conversations because, you know, people listening will hopefully pay attention and start to reinvest in themselves rather than their bank account, you know. And, um, um, my dad taught me about the lesson years ago saying that there's no need to be the um, richest man in the cemetery you know, um, you know <laughs> start, start to start to live your life now and be, uh, be, be engaged with what you're doing in the present moment rather than, um, than waiting for later and, and I was conditioned to you know start painting a super when I was young and get the caravan when I was older and you know everything in between was um, was probably uh, not serving me, but um, I just think if we can do more now to, to, to play and do the things which keep us engaged, life can be a real joy, and that's the way it's meant to be. Yeah, and so true. Like you just said, don't be the richest man in the cemetery. It's, it's really funny you say it, Aaron. My recent uh, couple of keynotes is don't buy green bananas um, because you can't eat them. You can't, don't, don't delay things. Like, mm. if there's something you want to do, do it now. And if that's your health, if that's your well-being, if that's travelling, if it's a new career... Just don't wait. Don't buy green bananas because you can't eat them. Like, it's essentially the same as, you know, I'll wait till I'm retired to go travelling or I'll, I'll wait for something. Like, it's the same as being the richest in the cemetery. Like, life's meant to be lived. And if we haven't learned that over the last two years, then you need to start living life now and not waiting. Yes, agree. That's exactly right, mate. And, you know, I just think, you know, the penny will drop for, for, for some. It'll take a while for others. Um, but the more 
that we can reach so they can, you know, start to have that realisation now rather than wait and that it's too late. And disease occurs physically and mentally, you know, it really does. And that doesn't discriminate, you know. You can, you can burn the candle, you can do the boot camps before the day starts and when the day ends, but you end up burning yourself out. And, um, you know, it's the same with work and the same with life and all that too. Be kind to yourself, you know, it's really important. And we're, we're sort of... Where 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 we've got our foot on the pedal too much. We've got to sort of learn to take the foot off the pedal. I reckon, mate. So now, what's the best way for people to get hold of if they want to reach out and um, maybe look at some of the programs and that you do? Yeah, yeah. So probably, well, if you if you want to see a little bit about what I've, I've done, uh, probably the easiest place is just go on YouTube and type in Dale Sobin and TED Talk. Um, I did a TED Talk a couple of years ago, and that sort of shares my journey and sort of a snapshot of what I do now. Um, I released a book with Wiley Global Publishing last year called All Work No Play. Mm. You can check that out, and that's basically my story and everything on there. But uh, my main website is sugar.life, and that's J U G A R dot life. Um, if you go on there, there's a lot of free programs. It's my story. You can check out that app I mentioned. Um, and, and also, obviously, got the things that we offer in workshops and speaking and everything like that, Aaron. But basically, yeah, if you if, if you want to see what I do and what I talk about and, and their impact to play, just watch my TED Talk. It's probably the easiest way. And 15 minutes on the dot, surely people have got enough time to watch that. Probably give it a little bit of time. You've probably had enough of my voice for a little while. But uh, yeah, in a month or two, Aaron, when, you, when your ears have stopped bleeding, go and check that out, guys. <laughs> oh, I definitely will. Don't worry. No, um yeah, look, you know, you need to be proud of yourself to be able to get to where you are now and have the courage to actually make this a real thing, you know, um, because most of the, most of the um, I suppose, things that we want to do in life, we, we don't go near because we think it won't be, uh, won't be participated upon or it won't be um, something which people which will engage with. But, you know, you've been courageous enough to say, well, yeah, I believe this is a missing link in in human life and uh, I need to get it out there so people can actually start to think about it and start to um, reconnect with themselves through, you know, something that we all know and that's how to play, you know? Yeah, yeah, well, thanks. I do appreciate it, Aaron. And um, I get asked that question a bit, like what made you do what you're doing? And um, and deep down, I, I just loved it. And if you love something enough, you, you're going to pursue it. So, um, yeah, I, I do really appreciate those kind words, mate, because it hasn't been easy. And like, like you know, with the foundation and everything you're doing, it's not easy, but it's also very rewarding. Um, so, yeah, I, I do appreciate uh, you saying that, mate. It, it means a lot. Thank you. Good things come to those who wait. That's something that my mum taught me as well, so I need to, uh, yeah, uh, be connected to that. And I, and I am, you know. Like, I know that I, if, I, if I force things, things force against me, you know. So just being patient and just uh, chipping away, I think, is really important. Then things start to take care of themselves if you've got the right intention. So I think that's really important. And I think that you have with what you're doing, you know. You're, you're doing this from your heart and you know the need for it. So, you know, stay true to that, mate, and, and good things are coming your way, I've got no doubt. Thanks, Darren. And you've got uh, two wise parents, mate. I, I like the advice that both of them given in this podcast. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I wish my mum was here. My old man's got dementia now, so he's going to struggle to give me that advice, <laughs> unfortunately. Well, but, uh, anyway. Remember back in the day, mate, it's obviously ingrained in you now. That's true. And uh, that's the other thing, like, you know, getting to an old age and keep playing, you know, so you don't get Alzheimer's dementia and those sorts of things where you can, you can starve it off because I just think... The modern system just gears us towards this uh, this aging thing, and then we all of a sudden start to deteriorate above the shoulders. But I just don't think that's necessary either. No, it's not, and and that's the thing. Play doesn't discriminate against race, 
what language you speak, where you live, how old you are, um, anybody can play. And it's a magical thing about it. It's uh, the longer you play, the benefits you'll have are outrageous, like you just said, and it helps so many. And you've just got to look at a lot of, uh, you know, retirement villages now. What do they do all day? It's all based around playing connection. And I think if us adults that are working through our lives can take a step back and look at that, um, we can ba- maybe inject a little bit back into our life before it's too late, before we burn out or um, we go through sort of, you know, life issues that I've gone through myself that, that can be neglected. Um, you can manage that and, and use play in a fun way. So, um, yeah, that's that's probably it for me there, Aaron, I reckon. Important advice, mate. Really appreciate the chat, mate. I'm sure we're going to have more uh, more down the track for sure. Perfect. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Appreciate it.